May words of my mouth and meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You are not far from the kingdom of God, is what Jesus says to the scribe who questions him about the first commandment. And you can read that, of course, in different ways. But let's suppose he isn't far from the kingdom of God. I'm thinking now, if you don't get things right, you miss your mark. Uh, Exactitude is an important thing in measurement, particularly if you're thinking about sending some sort of rocket up into the sky. And if you don't get the measurements right, then you're going to miss your target. So being close to the kingdom of God may not really be so comforting after all. That's an unusual, probably, way of reading this passage. But let's look a little deeper. Where is Jesus? We're given no context today. So we go back to last Sunday and remind ourselves that we were with Jesus in Bartimaeus, in Jericho, and that they have now ascended to Jerusalem to keep the final Passover. Jesus has entered the city. There's been this welcoming of his, the promise of a Davidic promise being fulfilled. He's looked at the temple. He's gone to Bethany. He's returned to the temple. He's overturned the tables. And prior to this question, the fourth, three different groups within Judaism of the day have come to question him about his ministry, wanting to know how he has this authority that he seems to have. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And what about the resurrection, the tricky question about whose spouse will she be in the resurrection? And now we come to this final question, and it's a good place because the law is central. It's central to the life of the people, the Hebrew people. But also keep in mind where this is taking place. This is taking place on the Temple Mount, Solomon's portico. It's the Passover festival. There are hundreds of thousands of people in this small city gathered Grain offerings and peace offerings and animal offerings are being met, being made in this place. And this is where Jesus is being questioned about the first commandment. The framing of that is interesting in itself. The scribe wants to know what the first commandment is. And what is the first commandment for you? It may very much have to do with the circumstances that you find yourself in at this moment, if you've been betrayed, if somebody's stolen something from you, if somebody's killed something of you, like your reputation, or you're coveting somebody else's way of life or being, is that for you, perhaps, at this moment, the first commandment? But what is the first commandment? That is the question 
and Jesus answers as we know. The first is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The totality of who and what we are, with this totality of ourselves, we are to worship God. And here, obedience. Hearing means obedience. And obedience, that English word, has that etymology in it. It's about listening. So we're always listening. Christians are people who are always listening, listening for God's voice, listening for God's voice through Scripture, through our tradition, through God active in the world today. But the turn comes because Jesus isn't going to leave it there. He's going to also connect this one commandment with a commandment you find not in Deuteronomy, but you find it in Leviticus. In the book of Leviticus, you find love your neighbor as yourself. And if you know the book of Leviticus, and some of us do because we've done this course with Robert, we've looked at it specifically, you can find details on our website about that course on Leviticus. All of that is surrounded by the different offerings that are made, the grain offerings, the peace offerings, the animal offerings, all that in order to keep a right relationship with God. Think of where this is now taking place, this conversation, in front of the temple. And the temple foreshadows something, the expiation of sin, Jesus going to become the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But the linking of these two commandments is essential. And this is where I think we're getting it wrong. They are linked to one another. First, God, worship of God, living towards God, living towards Christ, living towards the law, that is our first entry point. And then, connected to that, is the love of neighbor. And we need to get it right. Otherwise, we're going to miss the mark. We won't be far from the kingdom of God, but we will have missed the mark. And it's important to have these two connected. You say A, you must say B. Frank Sinatra says you can't have one without the other. They belong together. They are integral to each other. And what often happens to my mind, these two things become separated from one another. Anybody who lives the Christian life immediately is also turned to the world. But you can be turned to the world, but never discover God and God's will for you, God's will for the world. So it's being turned first to God, learning from God, but immediately this turns us to our neighbor. I think that's an essential understanding of the Christian distinctive way, which also, of course, belongs to the Jewish people. It's not distinct in that way, but this coupling and making sure that they remain together. There's a prayer that um, came into 
the Church of England, probably in the 18, 1980s, alternative service book, where it seemed to me it got it wrong. Love and serve your neighbor, and then love and serve God. No. Love and serve God, and then love and serve your neighbor. The moment there are two bills going through Parliament at some stage or other, bills to do with assisted suicide in the UK and Austria, coincidence that they're happening at the same time. And in order for there to be a Christian response, there needs to be this love of God, the love of God and all that he gives, the love of life that he gives us, that gift that he gives us. And then we can bring a Christian voice to these discussions about how assisted suicide in a secular society can be framed in a good way. It may not be framed in a Christian way in the end, but it can be framed in a good way where Christians still can have a voice. But the focus must be on loving God, seeking to fulfill his commandments, living towards Christ, living towards God, and then, and only then it seems to me, are we going to live well towards our neighbor, our children, our spouse, fellow brothers and sisters in the faith. And this has something also, of course, to do how we use the resources that are given to us that we may be good stewards of all that God gives. Amen.